What's going on everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda coming to you live from New York City. Are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for continuing to chime in and listen to my podcast. Uh, today, I have a very special guest, uh, but I'm going to let her introduce herself. Uh, Phoenix, what's going on? Hi, everyone. Hi, Jordan Seda or Dr. Seda. Um, dear listeners, my name is Phoenix, and I am never done this before, so I'm super excited and uh, very grateful for Dr. Seda for inviting me onto his platform. Of course, you're um, such an interesting person. I had to. <laughs> yes, you certainly know me from working with me for a while. Um, a little bit about myself, I guess. Uh, I'm currently a competitive ballroom dancer, and I'm also a gyrotonic um, enthusiast, I guess you can say that, um, an instructor. But before this fitness journey, I had another life almost like which I don't know if it's something you, you guys want to hear, but yeah. <laughs> but currently, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Um, I think we do want to know a little bit more, more about you. Like, how did you get into ballroom dance and how did you get into gyrotonics? Okay. Such, he's such a great interviewer. Such good questions. <sighs> um, I, <laughs> We're just I, getting started, people. Oh, great. This is going to be exciting. Let me bring my martini. <laughs> um, I was um, doing my graduate study in theater education um, at NYU. So before that time, I was in business. So I switched career. So I went to school at NYU, do my master's there. And I just stumbled literally into a, a ballroom um, dance club. And that was like really my first uh, introduction to the, to the dance side. I've danced a little bit of ballet, nothing serious growing up, but um, that was my first introduction to ballroom. And I just started doing it as like just this hobby, you know, two times a week, few times, few, few hours every time. And we started competing with my first dance partner. And I was really thinking it as something really fun. I really enjoyed it. You know, in ballroom, we have all these very dramatic dances. You know, we have like the samba. I'm sure you, some of you might know, or the rumba, or the cha-cha, and the jive, and the paso. So it's very exciting for someone who, like me, who also loves theater. So from then on, um, I got more serious um, and started actually taking lessons from world-renowned farm champions and then from there um, I got a little ambitious and I wanted to turn professional which was pretty wild to do because I was much much later than most people who were competing at my same caliber like a lot of them are East Europeans who started when they were five and I started when I was 22 or 23 and so it was a very silly and um, ambitious go I would say so came with that kind of ambition and drive um, and also being like 
partnered with some really, really good dancers who are also very, very demanding, um, I, I got injured like quite a lot, more than normal people, uh, like around my peers. So yeah, it got to a point where I had a broken toe. That was what sent me to like stop dancing for three months. Um, the doctor told me that I had to not dance for three months. And of course I didn't listen. And I was like, oh, I am gonna make all the juices and smoothies and drink and eat all the supplements and do all the meditations. And I'm gonna be able to be back in dancing in like two months or a month and a half. And that didn't work obviously. And so I was, um, instead of two or three months of recovery time, I, I ended up not being able to be fully recovered in my dance shoes, um, like until four months after. So during this time, I couldn't stand on my feet, right? Cause it was really painful. So I just looked up different things I could do to keep myself um, busy and not become super chubby during this time. <laughs> so I was on class fast and gyrotonic came up and then it was like a woman, you know, sitting on this bench and she was doing these exercise sitting. And I was like, oh, sign me up. I could definitely sit right now. I can't do anything standing up. So then I went and the first group lesson in gyrotonic I was like, wow, this is, what is this thing with fine undulations and moving? Like I've never seen this before, these machines. And I remember going to the, to the um, studio owner. I was like, is there, excuse me, is there a manual for this? Like, can I go home and study this? <laughs> and then from then on, um, he actually saw me out and, and wanted to train me as a teacher. Um, but that, that was kind of a quick story of how I discovered ballroom dancing. And then subsequently, because of injuries, how I also just discovered gyrotonic. Yeah. And now you're teaching gyrotonics to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been teaching for the past four or five years. Five years, yeah. Yeah. So how would you say your experience using gyrotonics as a means of recovering from injury has helped you in your teaching? So. Or like, tell me some things that you learned about movement while you were oh, doing yeah. gyrotonics. So before gyrotonic, I really don't know anything about the body. I mean, I do know a little bit, um, but not very, not very like solid. And what, the, I mean, I've done some Pilates training as well, but I think what hooks me or what made me very curious and stay with gyrotonic is some of its principles um, that I felt, or, or, or should I say philosophy that I felt could be quite translated or transferable to any to other activities um so for example like one of the principles of gyrotonic is energy moves where that mind moves and the mind goes to where there's the biggest sensation in the body and that if you have a very clear 
uh, pathway or intention, a direction of where you want to direct your movements is easier for the energy or for you know, whatever you want to call that to get to that part of the body. So, so that kind of the mind-body connection is very important, and we all know that. But I think the way they explain it in Jaratonic is quite cool. It's like how how the the pathway has to be clear, the direction has to be clear, and then you move there. Um, and then another principle it's it's um, breath creates movement, and movement creates breath. And if you put those two together, it doubles the effect, right? So it's everything in Jaratonic in the movements there is a coordinated breathing. So it's, it's almost like a pres prescription or um, every, if you're looking at like a musical score, every note, there's a lyrics behind it, you know, how you sing with that. And for me, that's kind of, yeah, pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, and another one that people use this a lot is, which I think is quite, universal, which is um, stability is created through contrast, right? In the body, in the movements, if you want to create stability in any joints or any movements, you need to find that contrasting points inside your, in your body movements. So when I learned these principles, when I was doing the, the teacher training, I, I started to like connect that to when I'm dancing or when I'm I don't know, playing golf. I don't play golf very much, but, or not that I, or when I, um, I don't know, just do normal gym stuff. Like the, the movements is completely different, but these are the principles I can, like, for example, how can I think about uh, lengthening my spine and uh, grounding at the same time to create that, that stability through contrast when I'm lifting weights? Um, how can I make sure that I'm not just using my arms to, to do a, you know, um, a bicep curl? How can I incorporate breath and my whole body into it? Yes, it is very isolated movements in, in my arm, but is what about thinking about like, how does that relate to my center? You know, the arm stands from the sternums and the sternums connected to the rest of the spine. And the spine is connected to your pelvis and the legs and so far. So it's a little bit more global thinking than just very like, uh, okay, just this. <laughs> I'm nothing wrong with this. I do that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, just, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You're the star here. <laughs> but you're the cool star. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. I'll take it and run with it. But go ahead. Oh, it just really changed my my way of, of, um, of thinking about exercise. And, and, and then another thing is it really kind of changed my body. Cause I remember I used to have very, can I say rigid um, spine. Uh, I, had, I had a little bit of scoliosis and they call it a flag back. I don't really know if that's a correct, um, diagnosis when I was a teenager. And I think that's one of the reasons that I had so much injuries um, through dance more than other peers. But, you know, through this, through the gyrotonic movements and the breathing, and it really free up a lot of things around my, my neck and my shoulder, because I used to, 
wasn't able to if I'm dancing I'm spotting the next mm -hmm. day like my neck will really hurt or I can't turn um because it has so much tension so you know through all these injuries and and learning about gyrotonic and teaching to people it's like how do I or how do we create more power or speed or efficiency movement with the least amount of effort yeah I, as you were saying that, i was just thinking of a client i have that might be a perfect fit for you to work with i might have i'm gonna have to share her information later on uh, oh, she's okay. also she's an aspiring ballroom dancer as well so i think uh, a lot Ooh. of your your principles would align with her but i do think you make a lot of valid points that most of our like when we move objects with our hands and our shoulders we shouldn't be taking all of our weight through those those yeah. bodily regions like everything should come from our core and our our pelvic region and we should be deriving force from the ground up from our what we say our proximal muscles and using that as a, our, those are a stabilizer so that we can move freely with our with our limbs so definitely feel you on that yeah i mean what you said about from ground up energy it's so so cool i mean um i did a lot of research throughout my my career and a martial artist was saying something about this they were using like these words at the time i had no idea what they mean the words were recoil um or you know ground up energy like i was like what, what does that even mean and yeah, so through gyrotonic, it's definitely learned a lot about, I guess, there's more than meets the eye. Let's just say that. Sure. And I think we're all on the search of, you know, looking for efficient movement with the least amount of energy use possible. Does that kind of align? I think, like, obviously, if we lift it heavy, that's one thing, but we could probably lift heavier if we are an efficient um, system as a whole and we're using our we're deriving force from every bodily region and making sure that we're stable you know again rooting like in our in our core making sure that our sternum isn't flailing up and that we're just arching our back as we <laughs> you know so i told when you said lengthen the spine i was like yep making sure that you know pelvic tilt keeping the sternum. I always try to say like bringing your sternum towards your, your pubic bone and trying to uh, make sure that stays uh, nice and tight, like you were saying. That's a really, really great cue. I think um, throughout my training uh, with gyrotonic system, I also did a lot of therapeutic, meaning um, how we work with someone who have injuries, who have pelvic imbalances, who had scoliosis. And those kind of alignment is actually quite important. Um, people have injuries or have pain because somehow the alignment is off, like the pelvis and, and, and that kind of stuff. So I actually wanted to have two points. Um, maybe you can help me monitor so I actually can share those for your listeners because those have, they have helped me tremendously um, as I was recovering from my multitude at of, of injuries um but but then again like you know as i'm teaching i notice a lot of dancers have injuries they just don't talk about it and um, they just kind of like and it's it's kind of unfortunate um because then you end up much later on having to go through a much more difficult ways to deal with with the repercussions 
Um, so the first thing, for example, I went to this scoliosis training for, for gyrotonic and the master trainer there was telling us that he was working with a soccer player who came in because of some injuries when, when he was playing the sport and he couldn't walk the stairs. So this master trainer just put him on the floor and did this series of breathing exercise with some coordinated movements, right? That, that kind of works the whole body from twisting of the spine, from mobilizing the hips, from um, you know, mobilizing and strengthening the joints and obviously the breathing, the whole diaphragm and ribcage mechanism. And in two weeks, the guy was able to walk. Like he, he came in, couldn't walk. Like he probably had a crazy injury from you know, soccer. And that training I went was because that was, what happened then? I had my rib cage injuries the second time within two months. That was not a very pretty time during my career. And I traveled to Colorado to him when I went there, I was in so much pain. And through just working with him and going through the, the materials in that workshop, um, I, like, I came back and maybe the next day or two, I went back to dancing. So it, it was really miraculous um, how the body can recover and heal. Um, with the right things. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing that is not really gyrotonic related, it's a little, it's a little bit, but I love to explore and try different things. Um, and I started going into organ health. I don't know if I told you about that. No, you barely talked to me at all. <laughs> 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 But no, he did not mention that one. <laughs> oh, this one cannot be cut. This one has to be a highlight. All right, all right. Let's have it then. Let's have all it. All right, all right, everybody. <laughs> I guess that's um he just called me out. I guess I didn't need to keep in touch him with him more. <laughs> um, organ health. How did I get into this? I don't remember exactly, but I I have this app that I use for, for at least seven, eight years called Insight Timer. Maybe some of you know, it's, it's a wonderful meditation app. And now they have like hundreds and lots of teachers on there um, from meditations, from music, from um, mind, it just all kinds of things. And um, from visualizations, you, you name it. So I, was searching for something one day and something called organ health came up. So basically it's a meditation or it's a technique from Taoism um, about how our organs, um, specifically the, the livers, the heart, the lungs, the kidneys and the spleens. Um, these, and obviously the stomach all of them are all very, very important, but basically the 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 assumption is that you know according to the chinese um Taoism, is that our organs actually carry a lot of emotions um and sometimes 
and also organs, they have this natural rhythm and natural movement inside our body. Like everything in our body moves, right? Because we're made out of water. And sometimes they get stuck. And if you think about it, like our organs are pretty much our entire torso and our intestines and all of that. It's like our entire torso. And when we exercise, it's just a lot about like very external, like, you know, the muscles and the bones and the joints, stuff like that. But the organs are even deeper. They're the closest thing to our spine, to our nervous system. And um, so their health is actually very important. And if the assumption is correct that our organ has something about our, our to do with our mood, I mean, like the health of the organs are, are quite monumental. And if you look at, you know, people <clears throat> usually suffer from, yeah, injuries of a hamstring tour or something like that, but people don't really like die from that. Um, but people die from heart attacks and liver failures and kidney failures, whatever. So yeah, so um, basically what this uh, meditation is, it's knowing where our organs are, like the physical locations and just paying a little attention. Like for example, the first gyrotonic principle is the energy moves where the mind goes. So if you just put your mind and I do it, I actually touch my own body <laughs> when I do it. Like if I just put my hand on my liver and I, I picture what my liver looks like and I can smile to it or talk to it, it sounds really strange, but um, I actually do feel better. Or if I put my hands on my heart, okay, I visualize what the, where my heart is and visualize smiling or and so on and so forth. And I do this every day. Um, and it always like, it's like automatically just put me in uh, such a grateful place um, and a happier mood. That's it. Like it just automatically because when I'm paying attention to these, these organs, like I, I'm aware that I am alive and nothing else really matters because I am breathing and all these amazing organs are working, functioning really well. Like whatever is happening um, outside of that is at that point, very trivial compared to the, ex the existential, is that the right way to say it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a, I'm a so, science expert, not a grammar expert. <laughs> science expert. So that actually also contributed to my recovery and my my joy, I would say, um, a lot. Yeah. So if anybody's interested, you can sign up for Insight Timer and then just search organ health. With uh, discount code Phoenix ten to get ten percent off. That that's not a thing, but you know she might as well she might as well get some money for uh, promoting that, even though it sounds incredible. Oh, you're not just a scientist, but you're also a businessman. Which we will come back. Can we have a little like um, commercial break with the music? Because I gotta get the door. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One, th one thing I definitely have to say is uh, I am incredibly grateful for my liver for all of the alcohol it's had to process over the, well, I want, I, 
Mom, I, I started drinking before 21, but so I, I can't say just post 21, but I'm very grateful for that. And I do uh, express gratitude to my liver among all of my other bodily organs. But I did read that book on uh, Eastern medicine and they did talk a lot about how uh, like the spleen, the liver and the kidneys manifest in body tissues, uh, specifically like how the liver plays a role in like, I think it's like ligaments, cartilage, and um i think tendons as well so when you have good liver health it does improve the integrity of those tissues and vice versa i think i'm right i might have to review the book you just i, think I thought right. you didn't know anything about organs look at you it's like blurt out all these this actually they sound much more scientific and believable than what i just said i was just like you just touch it and you feel great <laughs> maybe so but to give you all a, a little synopsis of my work with Phoenix, it was a lot of me learning and not so much teaching when I was working with her because she does have all of this, this body of knowledge. It's like part of the, the pleasant challenge, I guess you would say, is how do I work with an individual who understands movement so well and has very, I don't want to say, they're very realistic goals to be an elite dancer, but it's like putting those two things together and me coming, and I am the worst, the worst dancer of the two of us here. So it's like, how do I come as the the uh, the lesser dancer trying to provide knowledge to someone who knows quite a bit? It's it can be difficult, but it was definitely a lot of fun. I learned uh, quite a bit actually, and uh, for that I'm I'm incredibly grateful. And I'll what did always you learn? be. <laughs> what did I learn? Um, that I. Well, a lot of the principles you were talking about, I apply in practice, but the wording that I use, mm -hmm. I think I had to listen to you and have you guide me in how to be cued on how to stabilize your core as you move. I had to observe certain movement patterns that you felt discomfort with in dance that I, you know, I have some experience as a salsa dancer. Um, don't go on YouTube. There's a video on there that I not proud of uh Everyone my hair i looked I, I looked i looked awful i looked absolutely awful um yeah just i don't know why i thought it was a good idea to go really short with my hair in <laughs> in college but uh i pr much prefer myself now uh, oh, but anyway the one that we had we, we danced no my hair was on point that night but <laughs> This was back. This is back in college when I was dancing. But oh, okay, okay. Well, I haven't seen that, so I must want to. I must yeah. go and discover that. At least five hundred people have, so it's it's already out there. <laughs> it's good. It's growing. Audience yeah, is growing. I'll, I'll, I'll take <laughs> it. But to that point, it's like again, I had some experience as a dancer. Like I understand what spotting means and all that other stuff. But to translate it into specific ballroom dance. Um, modalities, I guess you'd say, like different types of dance. It, she's the expert here. And I think one of the things I've learned over the years is that I may have a large body of knowledge, but she knows her body best. She understands dance better than I do. So letting her guide me became something that I had to embrace in order to provide her with some plan that would be different than what she could do on her own. Right. I also have to say, though, um, not just because this is your podcast and, you know, obviously I have to say really nice things about you, 
but I do have to say you were very patient and you were very um, open-minded to hear like different points of view from me. And, um, and I have to say like what I got a lot out of working with you is because, you know, at that time I, I needed guidance. Um, there were some movements I couldn't do without paying and you gave me the, almost the confidence or the, the little nudge and push of doing certain movement patterns that I didn't want to do because I was afraid that it's going to cause me pain. Um, and that was huge for me. <laughs> and really, really funny story. I, I don't know if I should share this. I mean, we can edit out if we- No, we're not editing anything out. Everything, <laughs> this is, I put explicit on purpose on the podcast episodes. We are going for it. <laughs> Okay, okay. No, I mean, this is, it, it's a very, very silly um, example about injuries and pain and overcoming it. Um, because, and I think you kind of introduced me to this and another physical therapist who's also a gyrotonic teacher kind of opened my mind about that, which helped me a lot is that pain is bad. Yes, obviously, but um, how do I even word this? I'm not saying like we should ignore pain, which is my default. I used to dance and there was pain and, and I would not ignore it, but I wouldn't really seriously heal um, completely before I go back, right? And that's why it's compounded and that's, it's not helpful. But um, pain is something not to be afraid of, but it's to be understood. So, I was, there was one point, um, I was so afraid of, of, of pain at the bottom of my foot um, because of, you know, we had to wear heels for dance shoes and most girls in bottom have pain in the bottom of their foot actually. And um, anyway, I, I was afraid for a long time. I wasn't, I, did, I stopped running because I was like, maybe if I run, I will get pain in my knees or I would get pain in the bottom of my foot. So I stopped running. <laughs> and I remember that day, my first meeting with you, um, I was coming from teaching and I was running late, literally. And then I was like, oh no, I have an appointment with this, this PT and I am running really, really late. And I started literally running. Like I was like running down East Village and trying to catch the train to get to you. And it, it was like, so after I got to your office or your studio, whatever, I was like, I don't know if you remember, I said, uh, Jordan, I just rang here. Or you said, you asked me how I was feeling. I was like, I felt great. I, I haven't rang in like six months and I just rang and I don't have any pain. I was like, this is amazing. Um, so that day kind of, uh, what's the word? Like it, kind of liberated me from this cage or this prison of mind of, of, of being afraid to run because I was afraid I was gonna cause pain. And so I stopped running. Um, but when I actually did it and I was fine, I, I, yeah, it, something liberated or something, or I became more trusting of my body. So I share that story because you know, as I recover and go back to dancing, um, there were so many moments where 
I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I think this is gonna be pain. And I tried it and I commit to it and I was fine. So that kind of confidence I built slowly and slowly and slowly was very important. Um, and I just wanna let people know that obviously what I'm saying is not like, oh, if you're paying, still do it and, and don't worry about it, you're gonna be fine. But obviously you need to still be educated and have people you know, who is educated to, to guide you along the way, but also don't let pain paralyze you. Um, let it inform and educate you and like, oh, when I do this, the pain goes away. And when I do that, it triggers, why is that? Oh, it's because my pelvis is out of the alignment or oh, I'm not breathing. I am totally holding my breath and my liver is not happy. And therefore, you know, my movement is not flowing. So, <clears throat> because I, am I talking too much? Can you ask some questions? Talking too much. I mean, I, I'm not, I really try not to interrupt people when they're talking. So. <laughs> but this was exactly how our session went, if you are wondering session <laughs> the, one, the one that we had in person oh, where i, I no, did most of the listening and <laughs> you uh, you didn't talk a little bit though let's just say that well you were asking me about my injury so i gotta talk i gotta tell you right <laughs> oh That's no fair. shoot i was gonna say something um i'm just looking at my cheat sheet well, I think uh, most of our listeners have relatively short attention spans anyway. So if you do think of something else, maybe we could do a part two episode later down the line and you could share that with everyone. Mm. Unless well, actually, you really, you found it? Yeah, I, I okay. found it on my t-shirt. Go, go for it. Um, okay, so I think this one question you asked, which I think is great, is like, what would you tell our listeners is the key to achieving their fitness goals? Um, I, I wanted to share this because hopefully whoever listened to it um, as your audience grow after this episode will benefit. <laughs> um, so I've always been like a goal setter. I wanted to lose, you know, 10 pounds or I want to wake up at 6.30. I want to meditate every day. Like, um, and I've, I've had some goals and achieved some big goals. For example, I was doing this 40 day waking up at 6.30 or 6 a.m. doing meditation. And I did it, right? I crossed the finish line. But then after that 40 days, I went back to the, the normal, like waking up at seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And I just could not sustain it. It's like my, my brain is like, oh, you already, you know, achieved your 40 days goal. We don't ever have to do that for the rest of your life. And I try and I try and I just could never do it um, or losing weight or, uh, or eating, right? Like, um, oh, I wanted to stop eating by 9 p.m. or something like that. And I, that's like a goal of mine forever. And I just couldn't do it. So I started reading this book, um, which if you guys want to, I highly recommend. It's called Atomic Habits. Have you heard of it? It's sitting on my bookshelf. <laughs> well, I think you should um, take it off and start flipping the pages. I mean, I read it. 
Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I actually reread it again. Mm. I, I listened to it first. And then I'm also, I'm, I also subscribe to the author's um, mail, email list. Mm-hmm. And I reread again, and this time I really I made it, I made it like a commitment, not a goal. I made a commitment. I'm gonna just read this book and not dabble into 300 other books. Um, and basically, after really diving into this book, I I am still, but my mindset about goal setting, about achieving fitness goals or any goals, has changed. So the biggest takeaway for me is that. Instead of thinking about goals, but thinking about like a system, and also a change of identity. Like for example, instead of I want to lose weight, you know, by this time in February, this amount. Instead of having that kind of goal, it's more like I, um, I am an active person, or I, I am an early riser. Like that's just who I am. I am a consistently regular meditator. Or I'm a seventy-five percent vegetarian and fifteen percent pescatarian. Like that's just who I am. Like I am someone who just stop eating after eight. But I can also be flexible, flexible if I'm out. So when when you keep or when I keep telling myself like I am that person, that kind of keep repeating and ingrained into my brain that's my identity that's what i believe and and you know our body and our brain our whole being it's always trying to mm, have harmony and congruency like within the whole cells you know of our body and if that's what i want to believe in my brain and if, if my actions and behaviors don't align i'm not gonna feel very good because because something is incongruent with what i want or who I think I am and, and my behaviors. Um, so that's one of the first thing is, is that shift in, in, a, in your belief system. Like I am Chinese, I'm not anything else. <laughs> you know, you are who you are. Um, so then like I start thinking about asking myself, okay, if I am the active, physically active person in Phoenix, what would I do? Would I take the stairs or, or the elevators? Um, if I am someone who stopped eating by 8 a.m. Uh, 8 p.m. most of the day, would I go into my fridge and have another handful of nuts at 10 p.m.? Right. So that has really, really helped me a lot in terms of of achieving my quotation goals because I don't think about because goals it sounds like by this day when I achieve it I'm done but I would really rather make it of who I am as a lifestyle so it's never a finish line so I don't I don't have to worry about like oh shit this goal is done then what's the next one um mm. so I guess my my uh what I want to tell or share your listener is is try that well first of all read the book um, and then try to shift the mindset of of changing your beliefs, right? Your your belief system. Yeah. And who I, you want to become? 
Like if I say I am a grateful person and I keep saying that to myself, um, the, the actions of becoming grateful or be grateful, it should be easier. But if I say, I want to have a goal of, of saying that I'm grateful three times, I'm grateful for things, you know, three times a day or something. I want to have that goal. It sounds to me like a chore. But if I, like, I am a grateful person, then wherever I am, wherever I'm with, that's the need that I'm going to bring up. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely know exactly what you're talking about because again, I did read the book and uh, maybe I should reread it again as well. Uh, but based off of everything that you were talking about, it, I can see a few of my listeners wanting to reach out to you and possibly work with you. So where would be the best place for them to get in contact with you? Um, you can find me on Instagram, um, which maybe we can have a link or something, but I am actually working on a specific uh, Instagram dedicated to gyrotonic and ballroom. And this handle is probably easier to remember. It's called Rise with Phoenix, just like that, Rise with Phoenix. And um, I'm planning to start, I'm working on contents right now. So hoping to start putting things out there in March. Um, but other than that, I have my personal account, Phoenix underscore Lin Song. L-I-N-S-O-N-G, um, Phoenix is the bird, <laughs> or Phoenix, Arizona. So I have a lot of um, videos of me doing gyrotonic and dance. Um, yeah. Awesome, or awesome. You can ask, or you can ask Jordan, and hopefully he will pass you on to me and not, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Phoenix, I'm really grateful and I'm identifying as a grateful person that I'm grateful for your, your time and your energy. But that's all we have today, beautiful people. Now get out there and make shit happen. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. <laughs>